Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ross. So good to be with you this morning, everyone. Uh, as Ross said, my name is Dave, and uh, we are continuing our series this morning uh, in Songs for Coming Home. It's our series looking at the Psalms. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, Chuck kicked off the series for us and kind of framed it by saying that these are songs in the Bible that can almost be used as like a reset moment. It can be a moment where we're recalibrating our lives, turning them towards God. And so we're praying that that is what happens this morning. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 130. Um, if, for people who, who know me well, you might know that for the last couple of years, I've really grown this love for photography, for taking pictures. And one of the things I love about it is I love how you can be standing in one spot. You've got a scene in front of you, whatever it is. And depending on which lens you choose to use in that moment, the picture will come out completely differently. Now, I imagine that right now there's one or two people that are listening to this and thinking, that's really fascinating. I want to hear more. I imagine for the vast majority of people listening, you're making a mental note, never invite Dave to a party in case he talks to me about photography. Well, that's fine. That's fine. If that is you, just stick with me, a bit of grace. The lens that you use when you're taking a picture, it affects what ends up in the frame, what's put in the frame, what's left out. And what the main focus is, it changes like the overall feel of the picture. Um, I got to take pictures at a, a friend's wedding recently, and I knew that having the right lens for the right moment was really important. Like if there was a group photo and I didn't have the right lens on, instead of getting everyone in the picture, we could get a lovely shot of the groom's nostril and not much else. Or it could be, you know, the bride and groom exchanging rings. And in that moment, it's so far away. Everyone's so tiny in the picture that it's a game of where's Wally rather than anything else. And actually, that's not going to look good in the wedding album. And so in the end, I chose two lenses to take with me that day that were going to help me frame each picture as best as I could. Because looking through the right lens gives us the right picture. And in our lives, the lenses that we choose to look through powerfully shape how we view God, the world, and ourselves. So we're going to read today from Psalm 130. And, and in this psalm, the psalmist is referring reflecting on the reality of their own sin in their lives and acknowledging this desperate need for God. So we're going to be asking, what are the lenses that they're choosing to look through in this moment? So Psalm 130 from verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his words, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Amen. Wow. What a scripture for us to read this morning. I'm really excited to get into this. So in that psalm, when, when we, what we see is that when we're faced with sin, 
the reality of sin in our lives. We want to be asking the question, what does this psalm tell us about what lenses we need to choose in those moments? And what are the ones that we need to discard? So we're going to be looking at a few different lenses today. I've got my little lens bag here. And the first lens we're looking at is the lens of shame. So starting off on a, on a nice light note, uh, we're going to talk about shame. And so I, I'm just thinking about the first few weeks of when I was at uni, a few years ago, uh, and I was having a shower and I was completely unaware that in that moment, my flatmate had sneaked into the bathroom and what he did was he took my towel. Not only did he take my towel, he took my clothes. And then what he did was he periodically went round the room, removed every scrap of fabric that he could find in the room, and then left. He didn't leave it there. He went next door. There was a group of girls that we'd met a few days earlier, and he decided to invite one of them back for a cup of tea. And so she was like, oh, yeah, I'll come for a cup of tea. Sat her down in our kitchen on a chair that had a perfect view of the bathroom door. She had no idea what was going on, and then the shower, I'm in the shower, and then I, I step out and I realize what's happened. I can hear their voices next door. Guys, I panic. I'm like, what, what do I do in this situation? Lord, please, a creative it's an inspiration right now. What do I do? And I'm desperately looking around the room until in the corner I see it the ironing board. And so I go to the ironing board and I take the cover off the ironing board and then kind of stretching it out like this, like kind of go like that towards the bathroom door, awkwardly try and open it while still covering myself up. Step out, uh, lock eyes with this girl and kind of go, all right, and then shuffle sideways into my room. When I think of the word shame, that is one of those moments in my life that, uh, that comes to mind. I was so embarrassed. This was a girl I barely knew. I was going to have to live next door to her for the next year. Anytime I saw her in the corridor, it was going to be pretty awkward. You know, one of the hallmarks of shame is this idea of this, this fear of being exposed, which was a literal fear in my story. But for, for us, shame makes us want to hide it makes us want to cover up. And we've just read this scripture where the psalmist is confronting the sin in their life. They're, they're getting up close and personal with it. And I think so often for us, when we see the sin that is in our lives, this is the lens that we choose to look at it through. Shame. And this can be a hard lens to get rid of because there's some truth in what shame tells us, right? Shame will tell us we, we are sinners, we are broken. We have disobeyed God. We've rebelled and gone our own way. And, and that's true for me, and that's true for everyone. You know, it, it was the same in the psalm that we just read. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. And that word depths is referring to the deep, dark bottom of the sea. It's almost like in the deep, dark, troubled waters of my soul, there's brokenness. There's deep darkness and sin here. So when we see that in ourselves, shame feels like, you know, the natural or maybe the even appropriate response. It's like, I don't want anyone to see that. I'll, I don't want anyone to see my sin. Like, I'm going to hide it. But I want to suggest that shame is not a good lens for us to use. You know, when we stay in the place of shame, it doesn't help us. Hiding in our shame, it almost gives the enemy ammunition to use against us where he can say, you've messed up again, you know. You're worthless. You're nothing. But I read this definition that summed it up quite well for me. It says, shame is the corrosive state where our failure and flaws come to define us. 
even though the psalmist is crying out to the Lord from a place of deep distress, the key part here is that they are crying out to the Lord. And I want to suggest that there's a much better lens that we can use rather than shame, and that is the lens of humility. These aren't like nicknames I have for my lenses. That would be quite weird, but it's humility is a much better lens for us to go for. And maybe these two sound similar because with both of them, there's this awareness of our sin. But the difference is with humility, it doesn't try and hide it. Humility is fully aware of our sin and our flaws and failures, but is open-handed in giving them to Jesus. And as we choose to look inwardly at our lives through humility, it leads us to repentance. Um, there's, there's a part in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus is first uh, gathering his disciples and he meets, he's, he's, Peter sees him uh, perform a miracle. And there's this moment where he's just seen Jesus perform this miracle. This is what happens. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You know, he's saying, I'm not clean, Jesus. Get away from me. And that's shame talking in that moment. And what I'd never noticed is literally just one or two verses later, the next thing that happens is it says this, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Can you see the difference there? You've got Peter who is filled with shame when he sees Jesus. And he's saying, God, I'm, I'm not clean. Keep away from me. I'm not worthy. And you've got this leper. The same stuff's true for him. He's not worthy. He's definitely not clean. You can see that he isn't clean. But rather than hide, rather than push Jesus away, what does he do? He runs to him and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can take my mess and make me clean. That's the difference. And I just, I just feel like there's people that are watching this right now who are covered in, with shame. You know, it feels maybe like it rules your life. And I want to say to you today that that is not the Lord's heart for you. That is not the plan that he has for your life. You don't have to live in that place. Jesus can rescue you from that pit and bring you freedom. When we look at our sin with humility, what we're doing is we acknowledge that it's real and that it's a problem. The Psalm says, if you kept a record of sin, Lord, who could stand? And then it goes on to say, but with you, there is forgiveness. And so humility leads us to this acknowledgement of our sin, but then also to the acknowledgement that there's only one person that's going to be able to take it from us. And I think as well as it leading us to be open and confess to God, I think humility can lead us to confess to others as well. Um, one of our amazing young people shared a testimony a few weeks ago on our social media page about this. They, they came across a verse in James chapter 5 that says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And they read those words and, and they said that it was like God just highlighted stuff that in their life that they knew wasn't right and they knew they hadn't been honest with and they needed to deal with. And so they took those words, confess to each other, and, and they took that and went to their youth mentor and said, hey, this is what's been going on in my life. And they both prayed, and uh, that young person walked in forgiveness, which was amazing. And they also went on to tell their parents about what happened, which was brilliant. But one of the things that they, that they said uh, in their testimony was this. 
I feel this year God has become real to me in a way he wasn't before. I've realized how much he loves me even when I do things that aren't right. I just wonder, would, would shame have brought that young person to that conclusion? Probably not. Well, I'm going to say definitely not, actually. No, it wouldn't. When we do this, when we approach the sin in our lives, not with shame, but with humility, it leads us to repentance. So we can hand stuff over to Jesus, receive his complete forgiveness, and shame loses its power over our lives. And so, are there areas of our lives where we're hiding in shame, where we know that we're covering up? We're not being honest with God, with others, or even with ourselves. Shame wants to keep us in that pit. But humility, being humble enough to recognize that we need Jesus, causes us to repent, and he can pull us out of it. So, those are the first two lenses we're looking at. We want to choose humility instead of shame. And then the next two are over here. For anyone who's just switched on, you might think this is the shopping channel. It's not. It's not the shopping channel. Okay, brilliant. The next two lenses are hope. We want to choose hope instead of despair. Uh, my, my grandfather, grandfather, I never called him that before. I went all formal because I'm preaching. Granddad. Granddad, my granddad was a, was a clockmaker, and uh, he gave our, our family this really lovely, ornate grandfather clock. I think that's where grandfather came from. He gave us this grandfather um, clock that uh, was, you know, this beautiful thing. It was wooden. Um, it chimed on the hour and all the rest of it, um, and it had a pendulum in it. And uh, occasionally, you just have to give the pendulum like a little bit of a nudge to um, keep the clock going. But I remember thinking one day, what happens if you take the pendulum away? What, what will happen? And so I thought, I'm going to do it. Then I went up to the clock and then very carefully took the pendulum off. And in that moment, the little kind of hook that it was hanging on the attached to the clock mechanism, this hook just started going crazy. It was going left, right like that really, really fast. And I was like, oh no, I broke granddad's clock. I was freaking out. I was like, what do I do? I was like, ah! So really quickly, I'd try and get the pendulum and like attach it again and weight it all correctly. I managed to do it. It's all good. The clock goes back to normal as it should. Perfectly balanced and fine. The thing about that clock was that it only worked as it was made to when it was anchored by the weight of that pendulum. And in Hebrews 6, it describes the hope that we have in Jesus as an anchor for our soul. Hope is important. That image of, um, of the pendulum being removed and the clock me mechanism kind of frantically ticking, for me, that feels a, a bit of a picture of what despair looks like. You know, when, when hope is removed, when despair sets in, we can feel like that mechanism that's going haywire, that's, that's desperate, hopeless, not grounded in anything. You know, it can be our own sin that leads us to despair. Maybe the consequences of our sin bring us pain, or maybe they bring pain to the people around us that we love. Or maybe we're caught in a sin that is, that is cyclical, that, that even though we try and stop and break free from it, we feel like we keep coming back to it time and time again. Sometimes it can be the circumstances in our lives that cause us to despair. You know, maybe our relationships fall apart or we lose our job or those that we love get sick. 
we're all capable of despair. But I want to suggest that we've been created like that, like that clock mechanism. We've been created in our souls to, to carry a weighty hope. Like there's a, there's a space for that in us. It's a hope that steadies us. You know, you, you can't feel the weight of this lens right now, but this is a tank. Like this is, this is substantial. There's heft in it. And it is the same with our hope in Jesus. It's substantial. It's a weighty hope. Many of you will know my wife Hazel and I's story. A little over a year ago, um, our daughter Evie died. She was three months old and having spent her life in intensive care with multiple heart conditions. Um, we believe she was getting better. The doctors believe she was getting better. It was looking positive, but really suddenly and unexpectedly, she died. And that was just over a year ago. And for us, when, when people ask us how we are, we, we won't always put it like this to them, but the answer is we're broken. One of the things I've learned over this last year is that my brokenness doesn't have to equal despair. In my brokenness, I can have hope that I hold on to that anchors me in the storm. And I can say that for our family through this last year, the hope of Jesus has saved us. It's steadied us. We have hope because even though Evie isn't here with us, we know where she is. We know that she's with him. We have hope because we've known Jesus walking closely with us and we're more convinced than ever that he is who he says he is and that he's not going to leave us. There's been so many dark days where he's just quickly met us with his presence when we've needed it most. And he's shown kindness to us again and again through our families and our incredible church family who've loved us, prayed for us, sent messages, gifts, and just shown us the most beautiful care. And we know that so many people's prayers have helped drive us to Jesus' arms in the middle of this. We have a hope. Verse 5 and 6 say this, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. And what I love about that image of the watchman is there's, there's this inevitability to, to it. You know, the, the night will end. The sun will rise. The dawn will come. And it's not just a passive kind of waiting, like twiddling our thumbs. We're not called to do that but it's a hope-filled expectation, you know, built on the experience of who God is. God is going to break into our situations. He is going to come and rescue us. Sometimes we see that immediately. Sometimes we have to wait a while until we see that. And sometimes we see that on the other side of eternity. But whether it comes quickly or not, the encouragement is the same. It's hold on. Hold on. Take hope in Jesus. Let him anchor you in the storm. It says, Israel, and you can, even, you can put your own name into this. Dave, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and full redemption. Friends, that's what's on offer for us today. This is the hope we have when we give our lives to Jesus, that when we choose to follow him, we have a hope of a glorious, eternal future with him and life in all its fullness on earth right now. That's what he wants to give us.
I don't know what darkness you might be facing right now, whatever the storm might be. Don't allow despair to warp your perception and rob you of peace and joy. But instead, put your hope in the Lord, for within, within him is unfailing love and full redemption. And so I just believe that this psalm is telling us to be people who choose humility and choose hope over shame and despair. We're going we're gonna to pray now. And I just feel that maybe for some people um, that you know that these two lenses here, shame and despair, that they're, they're in your life. You know that you're carrying them. You know that they're lenses that you, that you look through situations with. And I just believe that like, what God wants to do for us today is just to take these off the table and to put them away and just leave these ones here. And so if that's you today, we're just going to invite the Lord to come right now and to do that. And so what... Yeah, why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Lord, we recognize that our hope is only in you. And so we ask, Lord, where, where we know that we've been carrying shame, where we've been living in despair, Lord, we want to surrender that to you right now. Jesus, would you give us your hope in its place?